0: You're listening to Board Game Bitch. I'm your host, Victoria Fraser, and we're going to talk about all things board games. Let's get started. All right, hello, hello. We are back again. Episode 7 of Board Game Bitch. It's alive. You've all been following and curious about it. Some of you actually did go to the Patreon, but now it's alive. I'm so excited. You can all enjoy it, Um, especially my mom, because she really wanted to hear her episode, and I was like, I'm not ready yet, mom. I'm sorry. Anyways, it's good. Everything's good. It's great. Thanks for coming back. Uh, This week, I'm joined by my super special awesome guest, which will also be the norm from now on, as opposed to just me talking to a microphone. I'll have someone to talk to, (laughs) so it's a little more interesting. Uh, Please welcome my wonderful brother, Alex hello you are related to me it seems like that's the trend That
1: is the trend
0: <laughs> i will have guests that are not you part have, of my family
1: you have one more immediate family member <laughs> to, to bring on this thing so it's
0: true i'll have to text eugenie and be like apparently you need to come onto my show <laughs> she'll talk with me about i don't know what's a game that she really likes and is good at i'm not sure uh operation oh god
1: because she's a vet <laughs> I mean, no,
0: that assistant. The assistant. No, a... I'll do the operation with her. He that'll be really good. Anyways, so yeah, Alex is joining me today. He is my brother. We go back since I was born. <laughs> fun fact: He's also going to be launching a podcast in the near future. It's not live yet, but when it is, you can bet I will tell you guys about it. Okay, so today we're talking about a really fun board game that we played. Gosh, a long time ago. I remember the first time I played it. A while. A while. A while. I think
1: I, I, I think I bought it when it first came out.
0: Yeah, probably. That sounds about right, if not shortly after. Uh, so, King of Tokyo is the game we're talking about today. Super fun board game. Yeah, it's a board game. There's a board. It's a
1: board. Yeah, there's a board. <laughs> there's a board. I mean, the board, honestly, is kind of optional, but it's it's there. <laughs> hey,
0: it matters, okay? You need the board. But yeah, so, King of Tokyo is a combative dice game. Uh, monsters have come to Tokyo to fuck shit up until the strongest one remains. That's how I would categorize it and describe it.
1: That's pretty much... Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it was published in 2011 by Yellow. They are a board game publisher that I don't honestly know a lot about. Have they done other games? I should have researched that, but I forgot.
1: I know they did King of New York, which is King of Tokyo. Of course. With slightly more additional game mechanics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but yeah, that, they published it in 2011. Uh, it's a classic. It's won lots of awards. And it set a new standard for Yahtzee everywhere. I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it's Yahtzee with items and... A health bar, yes, basically, exactly. It's like the Mario Kart of Yahtzee,
0: pretty much. So, yeah, I quite enjoy it. Uh, the game was created by renowned board game designer Richard Garfield. And if you recognized his name, that's because he is most well known for having made Magic the Gathering, which is a much bigger board game or card game, anyways. Um, in the community, trading card game, trading card game, Magic Gathering. Super well known. If you even if you aren't a board gamer, you've probably seen people playing it in like your high school.
1: <laughs> I remember actually in my elementary school, there was a magic craze for a little while, oh. and pretty much every kid on the playground was playing magic. That's cute. or at least had magic cards. Sometimes people were not playing the game correctly at <laughs> all. They That's... had the cards, they were just messing around.
0: I remember there was a Beyblades phase in elementary school when we were at Solaire and like. I also don't think I played it right at all. I mostly just like had fun watching it spin. Um, but yeah. Yeah, good times.
1: But the only game craze at <laughs> at school where everyone followed the rules was Pokémon because it's a video game. You can't <laughs> you can't <laughs> yeah. not follow the rules of it's a video hard, game. Harder harder
0: to cheat. You know what? Maybe it's because there was Pokémon TV show though. If there's magic TV show, maybe kids would have played it more accurately. My theory. I could be wrong. I'm just, you know, postulating here. Anyways, so fun facts about Richard Garfield, other than his amazing last name. He's a mathematician, inventor, and game designer. He's a PhD in mathematics, which is very fitting for a game designer. And he actually teaches a course called The Characteristics of Games at the University of Washington. I think I previously mentioned I would love to, like, or if I haven't said it, I definitely have thought I would love to take a course on board games because, like, it'd be super interesting. And apparently there is literally a course on board games, which is pretty fun. Other fun facts about him. He's the great-great-grandson of the U.S. President, James A. Garfield. Random. Don't even I know never which heard of that president, president it is. But he has the same last name, so it must be true. More interestingly and hilariously, his grand-uncle invented the paperclip.
1: <laughs> Alex is like, i that's, that's a useful... That was a prerequisite to game development, honestly.
0: Paperclips make board games so much easier.
1: <laughs> you know, we gotta have the guy who invented the plastic bag up there, too if we oh God. plastic bags we wouldn't have board games it's true all those chits would be gone
0: yeah plastic bags are crucial but actually like when i open a board game and there's plastic bags like included i get very excited because i'm like yes i don't have to go buy them from the dollar store
1: i mean i get a little bit sad when the plastic bags are in the box because it does mean that they didn't have a nice plastic tray to hold uh, everything
0: true usually but it's a I've bag i've definitely and opened trade.
1: some games that don't have anything it's just a big box and then every, you're expected to just chuck everything in there? Yeah, that's
0: not okay. <laughs> board game designers listening, don't do that. <laughs> give us bags or at least a tray. Or both. Ba- bags are the minimum. Bags and bare Trays minimum. are good. Yeah. Although, also give us like the right number of bags. Because sometimes they give you like eight and you need four. And I don't know why.
1: Yeah. You know what I'd love to see, actually, is a board game that is basically released in a plastic organizer mm-hmm. because there's definitely some board games with so many chits so many pieces that a plastic organizer helps you True. Uh, just keep the game together no joke that could be the packaging for the game
0: well it should be to be yeah i agree with a lot of indie kind of kickstarter things i've seen they're not necessarily the board game but they're like organizational things for a game so dominion i've seen like fancy wooden boxes where which were like here you can organize like several expansions in this wooden box and it's like beautiful. Another one, Gloomhaven, which is a nightmare because there's so many pieces and components. I think actually my friend used like a fishing tackle box or something.
1: Yeah. Okay. So here's here's a hype tip for all those uh, game designers out there I'm giving away for free. <laughs> wow. Okay. Make a fishing themed board game. Yes. And <gasps> put it in a tackle box Exclusive. as your packaging. Goddamn. You can just get off the shelf tackle boxes. Holy shit. And rebrand them. And that's your container.
0: I don't know if we should give that hot tip. It's too good. We should make our own tackle fishing game. <laughs> Maybe we should. Anyways. All right. Let's go back to the podcast.
1: Listen, if that's still in, you know, we made the decision in post to give it away for free.
0: It's true. All right. So dice rolling is one of the mechanics. Quite obviously, it's a dice game. That is sort of the main tool to do the things and the actions in the game. Another component is or mechanic is... Player elimination, so players can die and they're no longer in the game. Um, we've kind of talked about that a little bit before in Betrayal of the House on the Hill. But this is definitely a game where player elimination is an imminent threat constantly. It's one of the major win conditions. Yes, exactly. And finally, there is some card drafting, which we kind of discussed earlier before recording. And it's kind of like optional and depending on how you play the game. But, you know, there's cards that you can draft as well.
1: Yeah, so it actually isn't even in the base game. It's the, There's an expansion called the Power Up Expansion, I believe. And it basically adds power-up cards to the game. So the way that works is that when you roll three hearts, you get a power-up. And mm-hmm. this was actually a mechanic introduced to the game because before that, in like really competitive play, pretty much the dominating strategy was to just beat your opponents to death. Yeah, and there is also an alternate strategy of uh, victory po- accumulating victory points. Mm. And so they they changed it because when everyone's just trying to punch each other to death right away you don't actually use as many of the Mm -hmm. mechanics like you don't have time to buy items yeah get to collect points and so less of your dice are actually useful and so they they added that mechanic in one of the expansions to sort of balance it out a little bit
0: yes yes they did spoiler alert when we get to the strategies at the end but you know why do things in order So let's talk about how to play. This is another quick, short uh, component of the podcast, just for if you've never played you so you know how it kind of works uh, when we critique it. The first thing, there's kind of several steps. Uh, you roll dice, you resolve those dice, you go into Tokyo or not, you buy power cards, and that's kind of your turn. The first person to win is either by getting 20 victory points or being the last one standing, because again, it's monsters, you know, smashing each other in tokyo so you're gonna die if you're the last one who's not dead then you automatically win quite obviously um so those are the two win what the word oh my god
1: win conditions
0: win conditions is what i was trying to remember exactly so yes when you roll dice it's kind of like yahtzee you roll it three times you can re-roll any and everything really there are six sides which have energy little zap zaps which are the currency for the game used to buy items exactly there are hearts obviously they heal you shocking smash little fighter kind of paw print symbols which are the attack you know okay
1: I'm just gonna point out that word like, word. you're calling it a paw print Godzilla has paws now okay
0: <laughs>
1: true Godzilla is an adorable <laughs> stuffed bear
0: there you go I'm sure there is a little someone's probably done like a little crocheted stuffed animal of Godzilla with like little paws I it looks like a paw print it's like a, an aggressive paw print like a bear it's a paw print he has all right, paws all right
1: so just Godzilla wearing mittens has to be the has to be the uh, <laughs>
0: symbol for this episode. Sounds great. I'll figure. I'll just doodle it out. Anyways, so the little you know paw print <laughs> is the attack symbol. You attack players in Tokyo, or if you're in Tokyo, you attack outside Tokyo. I'll get into that a little bit. Um, there are three numbers. So number one, two, and three. If you roll three of those numbers, you get that number of points. But you have to roll three. If you roll two or one, the number means nothing. And if you roll any extra other than the three, you get an extra point for that one. So if you rolled three ones, you will get one point for the three ones but if you rolled four ones you would get two points points, basically
1: similarly with the threes although the first like the triple threes gets you three points but then a fourth three only gives you one additional point i can't
0: even imagine if it got you three extra points that would be be so overpowered (laughs) very broken um so you resolve the dice in any order you want like you can attack and then you can heal you can sort of do things the way you want strategically when you enter Tokyo. So I think actually someone someone has to be in Tokyo at all times. Not at the or, beginning of the game. No, right? Okay, just in the Strictly beginning.
1: Strictly speaking, please. if everyone was collecting victory points, you could actually have a game where not a single person ever enters Tokyo. That would, it be, would hilarious. be extremely unusual, and I've never seen it. But in principle, <laughs> there's nothing preventing that from happening.
0: If you're the one person who's done that with your gaming group, please let us know how it went. I'm so intrigued. It sounds kind of boring, to be honest. But anyways, so you get into Tokyo, uh, you get points for getting into Tokyo, and you also get more points for staying there. So that's one of the ways you can get points other than rolling. Uh, you cannot he- heal yourself. So hearts are meaningless in Tokyo. Cards, though, can heal you. So if you have those cards, they're good to bring and save for when you're in Tokyo. And yeah, as I kind of mentioned before... You attack everyone in Tokyo, but everyone also can attack you. So most commonly, you're only there for a short time before you risk dying. Yeah,
1: there's different <laughs> strategies to kind of use Tokyo to your advantage. Exactly. Another thing I'll just note is that when you have a large number of players, uh, Tokyo can actually hold two people. Oh. That's for when you have five or six players in the game. Mm-hmm. And then... It's similar in that the two players in Tokyo don't attack each other. They attack everyone outside of Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And then everyone not in Tokyo attacks the players in Tokyo. Right. And yeah, it's like Tokyo and Tokyo Bay. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then there's some rules in terms of like monster movement, how that works.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And then, of course, you can buy power cards with the power cubes, which we kind of mentioned the energy cubes earlier on the dice. And you can also spend two to just wash away the cards if, like, you don't like any of them. Or, for other reasons, I'll get into later. So, we already talked about how to win. That's how to play. That's everything you need to know, more or less. That's it. That's the game.
1: It's kind of an overview of the game, yeah.
0: Exactly so now we'll talk into the review of the game of sort of what we like and what we don't like and you can chime in and with any of these things you want to express your own opinions on but i got five reasons that i like it more or less and i'm sure there's more but these are sort of the big things uh first of all it's a short game it doesn't take very long to set up it's very easy to just, you know, put out the very simple board, which we kind of mentioned is not especially, you know, important. And then it's just dice that you obviously pass to the next player as your oh, turn you goes. You forgot
1: the most important. You forgot the most important part. Okay. Which is taking the cardboard cutout of your monster and standing it in the little thing so that they are <laughs> stood up. That
0: does take a very long time.
1: <laughs> it's a very involved process.
0: Very involved. Uh, but yeah, I think it even on the box it says it's like 30 minutes. It's a pretty quick game.
1: Yeah, 30 minutes, I mean, it's it's kind of an average. You can have them that last more like 15 mm-hmm. uh, sometimes. In rare cases, like happened to me actually a few weeks ago, oh, no. the game can run over an hour.
0: Yeah, I've had a couple uh, of long which ones. Which
1: is kind of unusual. Mm-hmm. And it really depends on what's what's going on Yeah. in the... Uh, in that particular game, like that particular game went so long because we just had a bunch of items, right? And we had a bunch of power ups, <laughs> and we just we kept going,
0: right? That makes sense. In general, though, it's a short game, especially if we're talking about the base game. You don't have all these crazy expansions. <laughs> yeah, I well, also ordinarily,
1: I think that's one of the reasons that the victory point condition, win condition exists. It's right. so that the game doesn't drag on forever. <laughs> that's but we true. were all focused on trying to eliminate the other players, oh, no. except we couldn't. People kept retreating and healing and surviving Uh,
0: dear oh dear well it happens uh so another reason i really like this game is the theme of it i think it's got some fun adorable artwork you know it's fun to think of yourself as like a big scary monster just like smashing things and being all powerful in tokyo it's a solid theme and it kind of like like kind of mentioning how it was yahtzee in the beginning you know it takes dice and it kind of puts them in an interesting sort of scenario as opposed to just you know when mechanics kind of when the game I'm so mechanic focused and then there's not a good theme I find that I'm much more bored by it so I really appreciate the story idea of like even just as simple being you know monsters rolling dice and fighting each other
1: <laughs> yeah it's a very nice it's a very nice uh, theme and the, the art's kind of kind of a nice uh, it's cool it's, it's a unique. nice style it's, it's simple enough but it's still kind of cool. I think looking. it's, like, a
0: still a little bit quirky, too. Like, I think there's there's some cool monsters, especially when they add in, like, the ex- like the expansions with other fun monsters you yeah, can have. Yeah,
1: some of the expansion monsters, like the panda, uh, look pretty cool. Yeah, and definitely. And some of the Halloween monsters are... They've got some pretty cool... <gasps>
0: there's artwork. Halloween monsters?
1: Oh, yeah, there's a Halloween-themed expansion.
0: Ooh. Anyway, another reason I really like it is the player interaction. I think it's pretty high. You kind of have no choice. If people are fighting you and fighting each other and they're in Tokyo and just things are happening, you have to, you know, fight back. Well, you don't have to, but you really should. Yeah. <laughs> so I enjoy that there's a lot of interaction going on at the table and kind of like, you know, throwing shade at each other. I, I like it. I, I think it's good. Some games, I think, have very low interaction, even when they're still kind of like a fighting game where you're, like, you're competing. And it's like, how is there so little interaction for this? I'm yeah. so surprised. It's also
1: nice because like, if you're kind of, you know, just trash talking the other players. It's not because you can play multiple rounds without spending a bunch of time. Like because a single round might only be you know twenty to thirty minutes. You don't have to worry so much. It's not like it's this massive thing that you put hours into and then you're upset that you lost.
0: Yeah. No. Exactly.
1: Like it's a such a it's a simple and quick game, so it's easy to kind of just. uh let the trash talking happen and not get too attached
0: to the outcome. Yeah, you haven't put so much time and investments into like trying to win and then being like disappointed by having lost. Another reason, uh, sort of the final reason I said that I really liked it is I think it's pretty well balanced as a game. You know, like we mentioned the three points, the fourth one's only one point. Like I think, Also Tokyo, because it's so dangerous, but everyone attacking you, there's like usually some good turnover there because that's a good spot to get points. So I feel like overall compared to some games, especially like a dice game where so much luck and chance can be a serious factor. um, I feel like it's being well designed and I don't find that it lasts too long or that, you know, I'm not interacting with people. Like I feel like I thought went into it and I also do really like the expansions and stuff like that that we've played.
1: Okay. One thing I will actually mention just on the balance issue. Hmm. So the power-up expansion adds extra... They're basically like the items Mm -hmm. um, in that they have very similar effects and the way that they're used is similar to items. But the one thing I will note about the power-ups is that there's a couple different ways you can distribute the Mm power-ups. So initially, the power-ups come where each monster has their own power-up deck. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of themed around the monsters kind of uh, aesthetic right mm-hmm. so like the alien has like uh interesting kind of manipulating yeah abilities the big like king kong-esque monster
0: mm-hmm.
1: has uh, very aggressive abilities focused on taking tokyo and holding tokyo almost as if it's you know the giant monkey on the building yeah and so on and so forth but the problem with that is that if you distribute the power-ups according to which monster they're supposed to be for right then some of the monsters have incredibly broken <laughs> oh and really good sets yeah. of power-ups and mm. other monsters have pretty terrible ones that's a bummer yeah and so that's that's and actually that would be one thing I would recommend um, if you do play that with the power-ups and the power-up expansion I recommend distributing the power-up decks either through random shuffle or through draft mm. those are really much more fair options for distributing what are potentially quite game-changing cards mm-hmm. and it's it's just a bit silly to be because most people are just picking the monster based on the way it looks. Right. And, and because the power-ups are still random, it's not like mm-hmm. there's... You can't pick your monster with an eye to strategy very much. It's just easy to pick an overpowered right. deck of power-ups yeah. if, you, if you want. Like Good the panda know. has incredible power-ups, for example. Have
0: you met a panda?
1: <laughs> i assume that they are extremely intimidating <laughs> no they're uh, actually aggressive
0: they're like the most pathetic animal to uh, be honest they, that is the opposite of everything about pandas
1: <laughs> i know
0: <laughs> that's why they probably made it so powerful because they're like we're trying to break the stereotypes that pandas are lazy and probably wouldn't survive realistically actually i will spades. say also
1: some of the pandas cards uh, have incredible names oh
0: do they yeah there's
1: there's one and basically the power-up I, if I remember correctly, it gives him, uh, he heals, he mm-hmm. does damage. He like takes Tokyo, heals, does damage and leaves or something. Oh my God. All in one move. And then it, the name of the card is eats, shoots and leaves. Oh
0: my God. That is great. Uh, I do love games that have good puns and stuff it's like that. Amazing. Good creativity. Bravo. That sounds like I need to be the panda sometime. I really haven't played as much of, of the expansions. So I've only played really King of New York. So I don't think the panda's in that one. The panda's like a separate thing, right?
1: I don't know if the panda's in King of New York. I don't think so.
0: I forget. Maybe it is. Um, It's been a hot minute, actually. Anyways, so let's move on to the things that I maybe am less of a fan of. Because, you know, no board game is perfect, even if I want them to be. (laughs) Um, So number one, I would say the biggest critique is the strategy or, you know, minimal strategy because there's a lot of chance of. exactly it's a dice game there's rolling you can be like i'm about to die i just need to roll a bunch of hearts and then you just don't get the hearts and then you die like it's not it's not fun i've been there
1: yeah i love dice games because just the act of rolling the dice is so satisfying oh, so satisfying but with king of tokyo i, I do agree that it, it it's definitely got a large element of chance to it
0: yeah definitely. you can
1: kind of strategize around it but it's it's not not a lot
0: at the end of the day the dice have their own mind uh, but yeah so that's the main first critique i have a uh, second thing is the two-player variant you know a lot of games will say that they are two to six players or whatever number that they think that it could be played as and i actually haven't even played the two-player variant because i just can't see it being yeah, me, me super either. fun yeah i was asked because you played a lot of it which is why i brought you the show because it's like this is a great one for you to talk about um uh, but I've never played it because I just don't think I would enjoy it. And the reviews online that I, attended, I read tended to agree it's not the best for that. You know, just because you can make it two-player doesn't mean you should. Or, you know, make a separate expansion-type game that is two-player, which a lot of board games do do nowadays, and I prefer that. This is another critique. It's not something i not a critique, but an observation is I think that the board game is more of a younger audience because it is relatively simple to play. I mean, the first time I played it, it was like, would have been probably eight or nine years ago when it first came out
1: yeah it's it's targeted to be more of an all yeah, ages kind exactly. of exactly i was a lot younger actually I, I would it. say whether that's a strength or a weakness kind of depends mm-hmm. on your perspective yeah. i think it's a great board game if you do have a younger children yeah. that you're trying to you know play with uh it would be a great game for family mm-hmm.
0: gatherings totally so uh, that, yeah so that's kind of what i put is that it's I think people don't like it because they don't realize that it might not be for them like if you're all adults and you're like i know you're playing with your group of friends and you're all like in your 20s and 30s you're You're just not as excited by it because it's not so complicated. I'm like, well, you might not be the exact demographic that it was perhaps made for. And when we played it when I was much younger there, I enjoyed it just fine. Like, I didn't have any issues. Like, I've definitely played it now and been a little less excited by it. But that's kind of my comment on people who say, like, oh, it's so boring. My game group hated it. I'm like, well. Well, The other thing, I
1: I also see it as one of those games that's a good sort of opening game
0: mm-hmm. you know if if you're
1: having people over for a whole day of gaming then it it's easy to just play that yeah. one round just to get people kind yeah. of warmed up
0: yeah i think it's more of a party game
1: like yeah it is it's but like it's more interesting than just you know cards Against humanity or a party game that has zero strategy like, yeah <laughs> it's on it's not it's more on the party side of the spectrum
0: mm-hmm, exactly um and then another issue that i definitely read about online and i think i kind of experienced this but i don't know if i really I don't think I take too much of a notice of what other players' points are, but a lot of people point out online about how in the last, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes of the game, it's pretty obvious who's going to win and that there's a bit of a, like, oh, you're in the lead with, like, 15 or 18 points and you're about to win and the rest of us are just too far behind. Apparently, that's an issue that people find. It's kind of, like, predictable, but I don't think that's the worst because also that's only, like, a couple minutes and a lot of board games have that.
1: I would also say that that's not quite right, uh, depending on how you're playing. (laughs) Exactly. There's, for example, cards that can target players to lose points
0: yeah that's Um, true
1: and then uh, also there's just just, if that player is gonna win by points you just start swinging at them uh, (laughs) this is a
0: fighting game guys start fighting don't be pacifists anyway
1: yeah (laughs) and I, and i think that's actually one of the challenges that they were running into from a design perspective is I've noticed that in groups I play it with, um, some groups tend to shy away from mm. the fighting and focus more on the points, yeah, and then other groups focus like almost exclusively on on fighting and not getting <laughs> points at all, and from the balance perspective, the original game was actually skewed where just trying to kill all the other players was actually the dominant strategy Mm -hmm. Uh, like among players who really knew what they were doing Mm -hmm. and it was actually really hard to win through points if other players were very aggressive which was why they had to kind of tune it so that it was more focused on uh, with the power-ups giving players who weren't fighting so much a bit of an opportunity to yeah to get back Mm -hmm. in the game but Then in some groups that weren't doing enough fighting already, maybe it now is skewed towards points too much. Yeah. But ultimately that's kind of just always going to be an issue in Mm -hmm. games with multiple win conditions that are kind of unrelated. Yeah. I'm I'm reminded very much of civilization, Mm -hmm. the computer game series. And that game has like six win conditions and in multiplayer most of the time pretty much everyone focuses on just destroying their enemies <laughs> empires yeah even though there are other victory conditions cultural victory scientific victory right other trade victory yeah which but I people just I, like to fight, fight
0: each remember. other <laughs> yeah everyone just everyone just fights each other every time pretty it's much. a board game you're supposed to get a, your hands a little dirty yeah <laughs> yeah especially this one though like really quite honestly i don't know i've never played the 100 percent point strategy i feel like i've always done a little bit of everything anyways last moment of critique for it is player elimination this is just generally a mechanic i find in board games that can have drawbacks where if you're the first person to die you know you're just watching everyone play for half an hour and you're like well i have nothing to do this is kind of boring i think because this is a shorter game it's not as much of a concern it's like a kind of a party game like you mentioned so you know if you lose in the first 15 minutes and you die it's not going to be like you know, like Risk or some other old board game that you spend two hours not being able to play with everyone. Um, So I think even though it is player elimination because it's relatively short as a game, you know, it's not so bad because, yeah, it's kind of boring to be like, oh, board game night, going to play with my friends. Everyone plays for an hour and you're just sitting there really watching them being bored. (laughs) That's not so fun. That's, like, again, minor critiques, but I just want to make sure everything, in my opinions, are out there. After all, that's why I have this podcast, to talk to you guys and complain. I'm kidding. (laughs) Not complaining. Just pointing out things that I think are true. Okay. So that's everything for the uh, why I like it, why I don't like it, blah, blah, blah. Next, we're going to go into the strategy. There's like three general strategies and also some tips that I kind of read online that I think are worth sharing. Uh, So first off, we already discussed this be aggressive. That's what I'm calling it. The be aggressive strategy, be aggressive, be Be aggressive. aggressive. (laughs) So yeah, you know, fighting, get points in Tokyo, murder everybody else. You'll win. Really not a lot to explain in that strategy. It's pretty self-explanatory, pretty
1: straightforward. And is also the dominant strategy. If you don't have expansions.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, The next strategy is the victory point strategy. So that can work. And also, also, if you have the expansions like Alex discussing, it's definitely an advantage to getting lots of cards. And if you have a certain monster, it might be better.
1: Um, yeah. Right. I mean, the monsters themselves are the same. Right. Uh, it's only the power up decks sure, I see. that differ. Right. And then that depends on how you're distributing them. If you are going by each monster has their own power up deck, then mm-hmm. yeah, some monsters are better for fighting versus scoring points.
0: Right, exactly. Oh, and then finally, the gear up strategy, which I guess goes into the cards and the victory point strategy a little bit, but I don't know. I kind of put it as a third thing if you're getting lots of items and cool cards to make yourself more badass. You know, that's also a strategy itself of having more ways to be more threatening and getting points and killing each other. So it's kind of related between the two, I guess.
1: Yeah, and it kind of depends on on your dice in terms of what you're taking. Totally. Right, because you can take points on your dice you can take energy you can take health or you can attack other players Mm -hmm. and so the energy is actually the critical one for whether you want to buy because that's the currency used Mm -hmm. to buy items and if you're deciding to re-roll the energy that means that you're choosing basically to forego those points um, potentially to get nothing and if you do that then you know, you're not able to buy items versus, you know, keeping that energy and trying to maximize the energy on your rolls to mm-hmm. buy items. And that can go with either a victory point or an attacking elimination strategy. Mm-hmm. Now, it really depends a lot on kind of the length of the game,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: The longer the game goes, the better it's going to be to have items. Some items act as armor to defend you from attacks some items act as attack buffs some Mm -hmm. items act as scoring buffs that either give you additional points or they give you additional ways to score points Mm -hmm. one of my favorite cards actually is is this really silly item that you have to get one of every type of dice
0: oh yeah i remember that one Yeah. yeah
1: and if you pull it off I think it gives you another turn, it's,
0: I think it's ridiculous, yeah, yeah, it's like really good,
1: yeah, it, like if you pull it off, it gives you everything on those dice that you mm-hmm. took, and then you also get another turn, pretty great, which is quite amusing
0: <laughs>
1: so that's that's a very that's a very fun item that's very hard to get, but yeah.
0: Yeah, no, or definitely. Hard to
1: score, I should say.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and as always, um, I will just point out that the strategy depends on your opponents and how people are playing, which is sort of what we both touched on. What are they doing? What's fun? What is everyone else playing as? More aggressive? Are they playing more victory points? Maybe don't do what everyone else is doing to try and win, right? But also, you know, what's the most fun for you to play? Like, if you just really aren't an aggressive person and you really don't want to play the aggressive strategy and you just really like collecting points, then sure, go for it. If that's how it's fun for you, then play the game that way. If you really like to attack and that's the most fun, then play it that way. Because also with the end of the game, at the end of the day, these are board games. They're supposed to be fun. You know, strategy and winning is a nice feeling, but also it's about the journey, you know? (laughs) I'm just being cheesy. And you know,
1: also, King of Tokyo is meant to be more of a fun game anyway. It's not dense with mechanics. No. And it it is a a fairly straightforward, fast-paced game.
0: Yeah, exactly. And
1: you should play it as such.
0: Yeah, totally. And then some other little minor minor small tips that I uh, collected from the areas of the internet. <laughs> uh which one, areas? I don't know. Like just forums from Reddit Board Game Geek, you know, the usual. random blogs. <laughs> Google. <laughs> I started there anyways.
1: Everything's on Google. <laughs>
0: technically actually no it is but it isn't anyways i'm getting off track It. <laughs> all right so last minute uh, extra little tips for you to write down to do to be the best is uh sweep away all the cards for two energy if you if you see cards that are really good like if one player's got all of the energy and they're going to be able to buy that really hot card but you can't buy it just discard all of them yeah, take it away like,
1: there's this one card called extra head that mm-hmm. lets you roll seven dice oh, instead of six yeah i remember uh, that I think there's actually another one so you can roll mm-hmm. eight dice oh my god yeah it's really hard to roll eight dice
0: but if you can't afford that card because it's like so much money but yeah if you, you can't know.
1: if you can't afford it someone else can but you have two energy you can sweep it away
0: you and can get rid of you it you should always do that
1: <laughs> trying to win because <laughs> someone else will buy that card
0: it's true and then the other thing is to bring health cards in tokyo if you if you have them and if you can because it's the only way you're going to be able to heal and then this is a bit of a dirty trick but i thought it was worth mentioning if you are in tokyo and you're fine. You're healthy. So people expect you to stay in Tokyo, but someone attacks you who is low on their health. You can let them into Tokyo and then they will probably die <laughs> before their turn. It's very mean, but I read it and I was like, yeah, that's about right. And I'm pretty sure they have to be once or twice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That happens sometimes.
0: Pretty much. That is it. Oh, and then also don't let the dice leave you, you know. Don't be afraid to re-roll all of them. Sometimes people think they just have to go with whatever they're rolling. But, like, you get three whole rolls. Just roll it all. Why not? You never know what's going to happen. So that's it. That is King of Tokyo, you guys. Thank you, Alex, for coming on to my lovely little podcast and sharing all your knowledge about King of Tokyo, which was more than mine. My pleasure. (laughs) I'm sure you'll be back on because, you know, we play a lot of games together and we're related.
1: (laughs) Those are very straightforward reasons. You
0: have to play with me. Family. Anyways, that's all, you guys. Don't forget to check out Board Game Bitch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you can't find Board Game Bitch, just search Board Game B-T-C-H. Sometimes I'm censored. <sighs> Sigh, but you know, that's life. And also, if you really love it, share it with your friends. Leave me a review on iTunes or Podchaser. It helps me. It doesn't cost you anything other than, you know, a minute of writing a badass paragraph about why you love me. I'm just being full of myself. Um, anyways, <laughs> that's all for today, and I'll see you in two weeks. Bye, guys.